Welcome to Where I'm From, the podcast that proves no matter how far you go, you'll always keep a little piece of home with you. I'm Bill Meeks. If you're like me, you probably know Jason Inman as the former co-host of DC All Access, a YouTube show that promised an insider look at all things DC Comics. So get ready for DC All Access. I'm Tiffany Smith. And I'm Jason Inman. And awarded me a Batman-themed Android phone a few years ago for leaving a dumb comment. Before we go, we've got an insanely cool phone from Samsung to give away to one lucky fan. Jason's also worked for Rhett and Link's Good Mythical Morning, written for Collider and Screen Junkies, and host a weekly podcast aimed at noobs called Geek History Lesson with his co-host Ashley Victoria Robinson, who he also co-wrote his indie comic book Jupiter Jet with among other fun indie books. He's also the author of Super Soldiers, a nonfiction novel about the secret connection between superheroes and the military. Much like a super-powered farm boy from the stars, we all probably know, Jason spent his formative years in rural Kansas, living on a farm just a couple miles outside the small city of Stark, Kansas. Population 69. Nope, not 69,000. 69 people. I'm from Stark, Kansas, population of less than 75 people according to the last U.S. Census, 1,500 miles east of Los Angeles, probably the smallest town in America, or at least I'm putting that down right now. Okay, so Stark is the smallest town we've ever covered on the show, but it does have some notable landmarks nearby, including the original Little House on the Prairie. Today, we'll talk to Jason about what it was like growing up in a real-life Smallville how he transitioned through the armed forces to the metropolis known as Los Angeles. And perhaps we'll even get into a little bit of Superman, if you're into that sort of thing. All right, let's talk to Jason. And I'd like to welcome to where I'm from, Jason Inman. How are you doing tonight, Jason? I am doing excellent. I am very excited by that video intro uh, that I look forward to watching after this live stream. Oh, I, I told you before we started <laughs> that I, I made you look completely awful. I tried to take every good characteristic and kind of Man. flip it. It was sort of like, yeah, that sounds exercise. that sounds right. Yeah. All my all my time and all those militia groups uh, finally comes and comes out. Well, I mean, I was just surprised there was so much material. There were like YouTube videos about the militia group. There were Flickr photos, you know, from back in the day. It was oh, I've, I've I've been on tour since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've talked to some people from some small towns, but you are from a very small town. I I can't believe it. I, I looked it up on the census and the population, I believe, was 69 people, according to Wikipedia. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, yeah. Stark, Kansas is where I am from. Well, actually, I'm not even technically from Stark, Kansas. I grew up on a farm two and a half miles east of Stark, Kansas. But yes, uh, it's funny um, because I made a video about Stark, Kansas, and I, I was showing the, and you can find that on my YouTube channel, stuff like that. When people ask me where I'm from, I generally say Smallville, Kansas, but that's a lie because Smallville, Kansas doesn't exist. I'm from Stark, Kansas, population of less than 75 people, according to the last U.S. Census. And the census, the population of Stark, Kansas has dropped since that video. <laughs> so it used to be like 73. And yes, I think now it's like from the 2020 census is now 69. So. Well, you left. So, I mean, you kind of counted as two people, right? Value. I right? count it. I count as two people. Oh, wow. Got- I hope not. <laughs> well, I, I, w- I would say uh, just your history of uh, online content and recognition. I, I, I think that kind of counts as two people. Sure, I will take it. Uh, tell Stark, Kansas. Somebody mail the mayor. I Actually, that's a good question, uh, you know, because you have I mean, you're not like, I don't know, Kanye West or anything like that. But you have you have a bit of a following online. Do, does that register to people when you go home to visit or, or they're just like, oh, it's just Jason? Not at all. There is. I, I, they have no, I, I, I honestly don't know if many of the residents even know what the internet is because internet <laughs> service is impossible out there. It is, um, uh, to let you know, the last time I visited my parents was earlier this summer and they finally got a fiber optic cable. It's <laughs> not hooked up, but it's hanging outside of their house. And they've been told that eventually it will be hooked up. So. No, they have. I, I don't think even my parents know really what I do. So, 
Yeah, well, that's a, you know, with more rural areas, I, I come from, you know, the hills of West Virginia, and there were areas where you just couldn't get internet or you had to get like satellite internet and it was ridiculously yeah. expensive or something. And it's just crazy how like that last mile of ethernet can be like a huge barrier. Well, where uh, where my parents still live and the place where the farm where I grew up, I will let you know that my cell phone does not get service there. <laughs> To this day, it is ne- they are in a like <laughs> hole of cell phone service to this day in 2022. Oh, wow. And, and you said there's no I was going to say maybe they could set up like a micro cell or something. Uh, but you said they have really bad Internet, too. So they have like- terrible, <laughs> terrible Internet out there. So, yeah, it's they're kind of uh, screwed all around. Also, it's like the town is so small that nobody knows when anybody comes or goes. Mm-hmm. So nobody knows when I'm there, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Coming in and out like a ghost. I uh, always considered myself as coming from a small town, uh, this little uh, town in West Virginia that had like 63,000 people. But then I look at your town and it's like 69 people. Uh, my first instinct is to ask if, is if uh, Start Kansas ever felt too small to you. Did it feel like you lived in a city of less than 100 people or was there like, you know, surrounding areas or something like that that helped kind of balance it out? Oh, it always it always felt small. It always felt small from the get go. Um, there aren't really any larger cities anywhere close. When I went to high school, I had to ride the bus for an hour. Oh wow! So it was an hour. Like it was only about like thirty miles away, but to do the whole route would take about an hour to get there. Um, I think the closest major hospital is forty five minutes away. And when I fly back in, I have to fly to airports that are usually about three hours away and i have to rent a car and then keep going um like that is how rural uh start kansas is there's no service or anything that like will or a bus you could take you actually have to physically rent a car yeah you have to physically rent a car because the closest a greyhound could get me would still be 30 minutes away (laughs) so no matter what i'm gonna be stuck somewhere (laughs) well that kind of sucks though because you can't do like that surprise drop in on your family (laughs) someone has to know you're coming yeah i can't i can't with the rent a car but yes it is if i want somebody to pick me up from the airport i have to basically either tell my sister who still lives in the area or or tell my parents that like hey i want to come is this date okay <laughs> uh, i will tell you that those conversations uh have led to conversations of uh well that's a little bit too late for me can you use there an earlier flight <laughs> Can you hang out at the airport for four hours so I can get a little more yeah. sleep, please? Yeah. Can you, uh, do you mind like taking the red eye? And you're like, oh, I guess, I, you know, okay. You mentioned uh, when, uh, you know, we were going back and forth setting this up that you grew up just a little over an hour away from the original Little House on the Prairie house. Yeah, that's true. I grew up loving those books and the TV series. Uh, Same. Did you ever visit the Little House? And what was the local opinion? We went to it on a school field trip. Oh, wow. In the in the fourth grade. So, yeah, it's luminary. It's outside of Independence, Kansas, which is about an hour. Yeah, it's about an hour west of where I grew up. A fun fact, the first time I ever took my wife back to Kansas, we drove from L.A. We did the road trip and I, you know, and so it was able to so she could see New Mexico and Arizona and Texas and Oklahoma. And we drove to the little house in the prairie so that she could see it. Mm-hmm. Um it's tiny. That's mm-hmm. the thing about it. It's 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 just the little house. It's probably tinier than the room I'm in right now. Wow. Um, then there's a church slash schoolhouse. I think they built a schoolhouse next to it. And then there's like another building that's like a little um gift house full of like little house and prairies. It's if you ever get the chance, it's like right off the highway. It's and it is in the middle of nowhere outside of Independence, Kansas. But go see it. Because you you will look at it and you'll you will say to yourself, I can't believe that five people slept in that for years. Yeah. And yeah. that was there. Like it is so I can't stand up in it. I'm I'm six <laughs> one. I cannot stand upright inside the little house. Well, Michael Landon was really short, so he was probably okay. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Landon, where but he's also an angel. He, you know, yeah. he, He's riding that highway to heaven. He's fine. (laughs) (laughs) 
what was the uh, local sentiment about uh, Little House? I almost said Little Shop of Horrors, Little House on the Prairie. Uh, you know, were people was it a point of pride or? Did, were oh yeah, of- very much so. It's it's very much a point of pride. It's very everybody loves those books. And I do think those books are pretty are pretty amazing. Um, and I even like the television show too. Uh, yeah, the the it is a piece of again as I said, we Kansans don't have much. We don't. So like we grab onto everything we can. So we grab on a little house on the prairie and say, yeah, that's ours. I don't care. The television show took place in another state. <laughs> it was the later years, the Kansas times, the pilot takes place in Kansas. and That's ours. It, there's a debate. There's a big debate in Kansas of where is Dorothy Gale's hometown? <laughs> um, now, Hayes, Kansas, it's way out west, mm-hmm. painted a Main Street brick, all gold. And was like, it's us. And they have like a little Wizard of Oz museum. But there is still like a couple of towns are like, mm, you're not the real hometown of Dorothy. I'll tell you what. Maybe that's the town uh, Dorothy ended up in and thought was Oz because Oz had the yellow brick roads, guys. Come on. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but there's a lot of debate about like which town is Dorothy's hometown. Um, mm-hmm. And there's even a town. Um, it's called Emporia. And they started, I think they kind of stopped uh, right before the pandemic. For a couple of years, they were doing the Smallville Comic-Con because mm. they were being like, we're Smallville. And I had some I had some druthers about that just because I was, they, they're, I think they're a hair too big to be Smallville because they have a college mm. in their town. Um, and I don't think Superman's hometown has a college in it. Maybe those like Silver Age Superboy stories, maybe there was a college, but probably not. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Smallville is big enough to have a university in it. I'm just going to throw <laughs> that out there right now. That's where I draw the line. Not big enough to have a university. Controversial opinion here. <laughs> grew up in a small town you're associated with dc now you obviously have a deep love for the characters i'd imagine start kansas probably didn't have a thriving comic book scene but did you have like a local comic book shop or were things were sort of mail order and then you would talk about it with yourself because there was no one else reading them there were no comic book shops anywhere i didn't really discover comic book shops until i was in high school i bought comic books in walmart because the local Walmart, about 20 minutes away, they used to have a comic rack very similar to what I have behind me <laughs> in the toy aisle. And that's where I would pick up my comic books. And then through that, sometimes in the grocery store, I would see Wizard Magazine or Hero Illustrated. And I subscribed mm-hmm. to Wizard. And one of the main reasons I subscribed to Wizard was because, you know, when you're dependent on the Walmart comic book rack, Sometimes you'll pick up like Nightwing number eight and then you might not see Nightwing until Nightwing 18. Mm-hmm. So you'd be completely and you'd be like, well, but what happened? The Scarecrow <laughs> was going to kill him. How did, yeah. he, how did he beat the Scarecrow? So I pick up Wizard Magazine because with Wizard Magazine, Wizard Magazine would like mostly spoil the books. They would give you a good idea what was happening. Yeah. So I felt like I was able to keep up mm-hmm. and Wizard was delivered to my I could just subscribe. So like for years, I would have Wizard delivered to my mailbox. And I remember I did subscribe to Grant Morrison's JLA in the mailbox. But the problem is, is that because I lived in the middle of nowhere, yeah, I, it drove me crazy. Our post lady would just fold the comic in half and stuff it in. <laughs> so I would get these books. But then I learned that there was a trick. So I'd get these books. They'd be mangled. They look like a dog was ch- chewed. You know, the corners would be missing. So they always had a number because they come back and boarded. And I'd call the number and I'd say, hey, this issue was ruined. And every time I did that, they'd give me three free issues. So they'd extend my subscription. So I did that a lot. And fun fact, I I remember I later talked to uh, a a buddy of mine who was working at Marvel like in the early 2000s. And he said that his department was the male subscription department. Uh And he said he was like, oh, yeah. He was like, we always looked at those people as like the last people. We took care of the comic book shops first and like the stores first. And then those (laughs) people got whatever. So he was like, whatever crappy, bent up, broken comic, we would just stuff in a bag and send you. And I was like, curses you. That's why I got so many bad books. 
And then it was easy just to pass it off as, oh, it's the mailman's fault. What do they know about comics? Yes, Marvel Comics. I was told that specifically Marvel Comics did that in the late 90s, early 2000s. It, it is on record here now. <laughs> I'd imagine, you know, reading Wizard, if people don't know, Wizard uh, was sort of a comic book magazine. It usually had a price guide. Yeah, it was like the Sports Illustrated of comic books, basically. Yeah. A lot of the things I discovered and loved in Wizard Magazine growing up were sort of like these indie books like Milk and Cheese and Madman by Mike Allred and stuff like that. Yes. Was it frustrating to you that you didn't have like a necessarily comic shop? You could just go down and pick up the latest hot issue of Spawn or whatever? So interestingly enough, Spawn made an appearance at my comic rack in Walmart. So uh, somewhere <laughs> in the 90s, Spawn got big enough. Yeah. to like make its way in um, some of the image books. I saw Wildcats there a couple of times, but yes, like some of those darker books are like hell. I never saw Hellboy ever. Mm -hmm. I would never see Love and Rockets. I never saw Love and Rockets. I never I would never see Cerebrus. Yeah, there were some of them that I really, really would want to read. Um, and th those were generally the ones that I would scoop up in my college days. I would pick up a bunch of those. And stuff like, that. like Preacher was a big one of those. I never saw Preacher, never got to read Preacher basically until I got to college. Did you like keep a tally and a list and feel a sense of obligation about, okay, I need to make sure I need to read Watchmen and I need to read this and that because like these are the ones that everyone are saying is so awesome and everything. Like, did you feel an obligation? No, I, you know, I'm funny. Like I know a lot of nerds, I, I know especially comic book nerds are obsessed with lists and they're obsessed mm -hmm. with rankings. I've never been that person. I, I'm just the person that I'm walking up and down the aisle and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that book. Oh, yeah, I, I don't ever make lists for like, I got to get this book and I got to get in this order and I got to do it. I, I, I've never been that. I've never <laughs> been that type of nerd. I was born in the land of Superman. Hi, I'm Jason Inman and I like to read comic books. And that is reason number one why I think I would be the best DC All Access host. And if you agree, you should click the top of the description. I noticed that you seem to have a particular affinity for Superman. I'm You're in good company. I also do. Mm -hmm. I have a tattoo on my arm here. Uh, but what draws you to Superman as a character? Is it sort of like the similar origin story or is it, well, not origin story, but setting for your origin? story or is it something more well i mean i like to say as a person from kansas that we only have two famous people from our state and that's dorothy gale and superman both fictional characters <laughs> and you know it's kind of sad when you're like well our home state's best people are fictional the thing that i love about superman is the hope i i know that's like that has been run into the ground about superman but you got to realize when i started reading superman in the 90s that wasn't around. It was, but you had to like sort of suss that out in the character. Yeah. I just like that he he believes in the best of us and he's he is a bright light in a dark time. And I also really liked yeah, I did empathize as a kid, like a, a fellow Kansas farm boy, just like Clark Kent. I didn't empathize with him because I looked, I was like, oh, look at this kid that went on to become like the greatest person in the galaxy. Um, the most famous person in the galaxy. Well, if he could do something that great, so could I. Yeah, yeah. Plus, his costume is rad. I, I, I also like. Yeah. I honestly like. I honestly think Superman is like one of the best costumes in all the comic books for almost eighty years now. You did bring up uh, '90s Superman comic books, like the Triangle Era. The Triangle the Era, yeah. So, like, we should explain to any listeners that don't. This mm -hmm. is this is going down a deep, deep nerdy hole. <laughs> there were so many. Superman books in the 90s, there were five being published monthly that they interconnected them all with a triangle. So each year they would start. So it'd be like 1992 and you'd see one and it would count up all 52 weeks and then it would start back in 1993. So it was Superman, Action Comics, The Man of Steel, mm -hmm. Adventures of Superman, and then eventually they made Superman Man of Tomorrow. Yeah. And so, like, the story went one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three. So you could if you read this issue and then you jump to here, you'd be you'd be completely lost because you didn't read that issue. Didn't they loop in like uh, the ancillary books like Superboy and Supergirl for a while? Too? They they would on crossovers here and there. So like then the triangle numbers got crazy because there are some years, I think, where the triangle numbers get way higher than 52. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, this is too many comic books, but you have to realize that at this time there were five monthly Batman books. There were like, I believe, 20 monthly X-Men books. There were yeah. 10 Spider-Man books being it, it was 
the height of comic like comic books were selling a million copies an issue mm-hmm. 30 years ago now they're lucky if they cross 30k they're mm-hmm. lucky if they cross 30k so the demand was just there yeah i want just to touch back on the superman books of that time period superman has gone from being like wacky sci-fi adventure to morality play and everything in between in the 90s it was very serialized it was almost like soap opera-ish right where it would have like an a b and c plot and they'd waterfall through different storylines and you had a whole supporting cast of characters and maybe that brought on a sense of realism that didn't make it all light and brighty and hopey as it is uh these days but uh i do remember and i i don't know if you remember this story or not but metropolis mailbag was always like it always felt like i don't remember that one oh you don't remember it was a. Uh, Basically, every Christmas Eve, Superman would go into the Daily Planet's back, back office where everyone sent letters to Superman. Oh, I do, I, I do remember that. I didn't remember it was. Uh, I, I okay, I didn't know it was called Metropolis Mailbag. Yeah, Sorry. but uh, yeah, he would basically just go and uh, you know fulfill all these wishes for people that they had sent to the Daily Planet on his behalf throughout the year. Do you prefer more of the morality play sort of Superman, or do you like that sense of realism to it too? You know, it's interesting to me because I think Superman's a science fiction character because mm-hmm. he's an alien. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think you are remiss if you ignore the Americana aspect of Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they recently um, re-updated his statement, Truth, Justice, and A Better Tomorrow, I think, instead of being yeah. True Justice the American Way. But to be honest with you, I, I don't care because that logo is not, but like, you know, he is very much a character of the American depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said for years that I would love to see an animated film in the style of Spider-Verse set in 1938 about Superman. Um, because there's a lot of, a-, a lot of aspects of Superman don't work outside of the depression. Mm-hmm. Not to, not to get too far down a hole, but if you ever read uh, the novel, it's Superman by Tom DeHaven. Yes, I have. No offense to your former employer. I think DC is stupid for not like capitalizing on that because it's just such a good story. It's such a clean origin story for the character, you know? I agree. I agree. Fan interaction from the chat room. I figured I'd oh, call okay, it out cool. real quick. Uh, Chemdog says that you have to watch those great outdoors raccoons. Uh, they're nasty. <laughs> Fair. Um, and uh, Chemdog also read a lot of newsstand comics back in the day, as did I. Bought a lot from Kroger. Um, and uh, then Tardis Bang Bang says, I haven't read that much Superman, but I love Superman Smashes the Clan. Oh, that's a great book. Yeah. It, she says, uh, made me check out Tomasi's Superman run. If you like Superman Smashes the Clan, I'd say that it's Superman book we mentioned earlier. Same kind of vibe, probably. You know, same mm-hmm. era, same sort of like social issues being dealt with, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Plus, we're unboxing a very special Justice League box from Funko's Legion of Collectors, so get ready for DC All Access. I learned about you as the host of DC All Access, the DC YouTube show. I think you have me confused with somebody else. I'm sorry. Oh, really? No. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, that's correct. It's weird. He looks exactly like you. <laughs> I will say there is another Jason Inman in Hollywood right now. I don't know if you've seen this. If you go to, uh, I've called him my more talented doppelganger for quite a long time. <laughs> and I've known about him since Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, the very first one. Uh, there is another Jason Inman. If you go on IMDb, I think I'm Jason Inman the second. He's Jason oh. Inman the first. He was a set medic on a bunch of movies. And now he's like the assistant director on Marvel movies. Oh, wow. But since I have a picture and he doesn't, I think I I think I pop up a little bit. If you guys ever meet up, then it's going to be sort of DC versus Marvel. <laughs> I would love I, w- I would love to meet him because you have no idea how many people have screenshotted his name out of credits. Because <laughs> um, he usually appears like halfway midway through. And so they'll screenshot mm-hmm. his credit and they'll send it to me and they'll be like, you didn't tell me you worked on, I, I don't know, public enemies. And I'll be like, I didn't. so i wonder if he gets sent the same things about me i would love to meet him i'm certain he's lovely and very talented jason emmons on infinite earths Uh (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh, we're gonna go ahead here and take a little break from the questions and play a game if you're game uh for the game (laughs) 
I'm game for the game, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so this game's called What If It Happened Here? Yeah. So you're a big comic book fan. Uh, so you already know uh, Superman hailed from a small town in Kansas. We've talked about it. But most other superheroes come from urban environments. Mm -hmm. uh, so in this game, I'm going to give you a superhero. I, and I want you to tell me how their origin would be different if their story was set in Stark, Kansas and not New York or Gotham or. OK. Happened. All right. Interesting. So first up, Batman. How would Batman be different if it was set in Stark, Kansas? OK. Uh, it. If Batman was set in Stark, Kansas, his parents would die in a head-on collision with a deer. <laughs> they would not be shot. And I have a feeling he would be, he might still be Batman, but his costume would mm -hmm. be that wooded camouflage that you see all the hunters wearing. <laughs> um, and I kind of think he'd be a game warden because he would want to reduce the deer population. Yeah, absolutely. Take advantage <laughs> or take a revenge on yeah, that deer. Yeah, take revenge against too many deer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, if she grew up in Stark, Kansas, I'm just going to say that she's still an Amazonian. I really think she would make Stark, Kansas the most advanced city on the earth. She would like make it a sort of um white wakanda as you know like or redneck wakanda of yeah, sorts because yeah. i'm gonna guess that she's you know she's part god so she's got that knowledge inside of her and she's gonna just it, she she will completely revolutionize kansas that's what wonder woman would do okay uh spider-man well we're i i hate to say it i think if peter parker grows up in stark kansas i think he just becomes a science teacher at the local high school and that's it <laughs> and that's the end because he will be bullied so more so than flash thompson flash thompson is a lightweight i'll just tell you that compared to some of the bullies i experienced <laughs> plus you know i uh, start kansas is probably never going to finance a school trip to new york city for the nope. big like yeah. there's also any and if he gets bit by the spider somehow there's nothing to swing from so <laughs> <laughs> the boys the boys <laughs> the boys it's an extreme. Uh, <laughs> this is a, that's a tough one um, because they're sort of a global, you know. Okay, well, I'll flip it on this side. If Homelander of the Boys, the evil Superman, is raised in Stark, Kansas, there is no The Boys because he becomes just like Superman. Very good point. Very good point. So there you go. So the Boys don't exist in Stark, Kansas. I bet a lot of people in the boys' universe wish were, that was the case. Um, <laughs> okay, John Constantine. <laughs> okay, well, here here's the truth. If John Constantine exists in Stark, Kansas, um, first off, he's not English. He's mm -hmm. going to be a Native American. Uh, and he's probably going to be a Native American shaman of some type because there are all types of ghost stories. And in fact, a lot of it's going to be like sort of um, plant-based and uh, more rural ghosts. Uh, actually, I think John Constantine might be pretty interesting in Stark, Kansas. I definitely agree. And, you know, he does have connections to Swamp Thing, so it just makes mm -hmm. sense that he there would be other creatures of the green. There could be, there could be Wheat Thing. Yeah. Wheat Thing, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sounds like a drink you get from a smoothie place. Wheat thing. I'll take a wheat thing, please. Okay, and uh, last but not least, Fantastic Four. Oh, interesting. Okay, so Ben Grimm would be fine because he's a football guy. Uh, Johnny would be fine because he's one of the bullies. So in the, if the Fantastic Four are in Stark, Kansas, then that means that Reed is going to supersonic a combine of some type. <laughs> and then that's the accident. Like Doctor Doom gets mangled in like a combine accident, like a thrasher accident. That's how he gets all <laughs> mangled up. And they will all have some sort of plant-based powers. Mm. So like they'll shoot like wheat stalks out of their hands and stuff like that. Like like Ben Grimm will be like a walking wheat plant, like walking around, or like or he'll be like full of Milo Milo and fescue, if you know what that is. Well. I, I like this too because it's irrespective of era. You could set it in the modern day. You could set mm -hmm. it fifty years ago. It mm -hmm. would be about the same story. Can you tell that my hometown is surrounded by fields? I don't know if, you, if this is if this are you, are you putting together this connection. I I've been kind of subtle about it. I don't know if you've caught on. <laughs> you did not see the B roll I used in your intro at the beginning of this show, but lots of fields. All right, okay. Well, that's the game, and I think you won. Did I? I don't know what you won, but you absolutely did win. Okay. You can put that on your resume. Uh, okay. I will. I'm gonna say that I won the uh, Start Kansas Citizen of the Year award. 
Excellent, excellent. And I will back you up on that. You can give people sure. my number. We're you know we're going to put it right here. There's going to be some article. <laughs> Somebody put this on Wikipedia that Jason Evan won the Start Kansas Citizen of the Year award. We're going to make it a thing right now. What if it happened here? Okay, uh, folks, well, sit tight. Uh, I have to, uh, you know, pay the bill. So we're going to play a quick ad from my sponsor, and then we'll be right back to wrap up with Jason. Where I'm From is brought to you by Stream Studio. That's S-T-R-E-A-N-N Studio. The web app that puts you in charge of the live show. Stream Studio allows you to take your streaming game to the next level by allowing you to stream to multiple platforms at once. If you want to go to Twitch, if you want to go to YouTube, if you want to go to a website that isn't supported even, you can stream to all of those platforms at once, get feedback from your audience, and most importantly, it puts you in control of the show. Now, Stream Studio has several packages that work for just about any type of broadcaster. From the free plan, where you can stream with a watermark, all the way up to the gold plan, where you can have up to eight guests. You can stream to as many social platforms as you want. You can get a web link to share your show with external audiences. And you can even get an iframe so you can embed your live stream show directly into your website. Hey, I love Stream Studio so much, I'm using it to produce this show. I want to thank Stream Studio for supporting where I'm from. And you can give this fantastic software a spin and support where I'm from at the same time. Just head over to our website at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from and click on the Stream Studio banner so they know we sent you their way. And we're back. Again, I want to thank Screen Studio for sponsoring where I'm from. What was it like uh, socially for you? Because, I mean, you know, a town with like 70 people, that probably means what, like 20 kids or something like that. It feels like there wouldn't be a lot of dances and dates and things like that going on. So socially, it was quiet. Socially, it was very limiting. Um, I still had a lot of friends through school. But the problem is, is that I would always hear the stories because where, where my school was was Erie, Kansas, about 30 minutes away. And it was a smaller, I think it's like a town of maybe 5,000, maybe that might be stretching it. Yeah. I would always hear stories from the people, my friends that lived in that town, that their friends would come around and knock on each other's doors and surprise visit. That never happened to me because <laughs> I live I lived in the middle of nowhere. In fact, it's something that I have like taken into my adult life. I have a hard time. It's still to this day hanging out with people on weeknights <laughs> because when I, you know, for the first 18 years of my life, that didn't happen. Yeah. Because we were too far. We were in the middle of nowhere. So you only hung out with people on the weekends. So socially, it was very stunted. There was no surprise visits. There were no surprise anything like that. Everything had to be planned because mm -hmm. that drive was very intentional. Was it a situation where if you heard a knock on the door that uh, you were like, oh, my God, something's wrong because you were so far out there? It was even more extreme than that. It was a situation that where they live and they still live there and it's still the case. You can hear my parents live on a gravel road, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, you can hear a vehicle coming for miles. Oh, wow. So you can hear and you're like. There's a couple corners, like half a mile down e either way. And you kind of like, okay, are they going to turn the corner? <laughs> or are they going to come past the house? And you can always tell that. You can hear that. And then they come past the house. It is a road that is infrequented so, uh, you know, infrequently that you look out the window at every truck or car. Usually a truck. It's mostly trucks yeah. that come by the house. Well, uh, those gravel roads, like we didn't have a gravel road, but we had a gravel driveway and it was always mm -hmm. like a nice early warning system. We were like, oh, my God, someone's coming, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Get yeah. to the door. Who is it? What's going on? It's loud. It's loud. I mean, it, there is also something like as anybody will tell you that the group on like a gravel road or um, you can only go so fast because otherwise you're just kicking rocks up at your vehicle and just scratching your paint. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd imagine, too, you know, with in contrast, because you live in Los Angeles now or, you know, the Los Angeles area, you know, I, I'm sure you probably had beautiful sights at, at night when you walked out to see the stars and everything. Mm -hmm. You can't really see those out here. Yeah. No, it was amazing. It, it still is. It's like a. It, I feel like you can see to the next galaxy over like you can see or a <laughs> Superman would say the 38 known galaxies. You can see all of them. Yeah. And here. Yeah, you can't see you can barely see the moon. 
in the moon. You're like, oh, is moon there? Oh, no, that's an airplane. Uh, but yeah, yes, you and the yeah. spare UFO, to be fair, it is Los Angeles. Yeah, but no, it is. It is surprisingly dark out there. Mm-hmm. It is surprisingly quiet. It is always surprising how quiet it is. And then also how loud the cicadas are, because you are <laughs> literally in the middle of nowhere. Did you guys have like the seven year cicadas that would come by every seven year seven years or was the other type that's around like seasonally? No, it's it's the ones that are like always around. Like as soon as it gets the sun, as soon as it gets slightly warm, there's no frost in the gla- grass. Like yeah, there are cicadas everywhere. What other kind of critters did you have to deal with out there? Was it like bears and raccoons or what? What kind of? I I don't know the the what is that? Not flora. Uh, animal life out there. Yeah. Uh, well, there are no bears in Kansas, but there are raccoons. There are possums. Like that's the thing. Uh, I've noticed a lot of women in Los Angeles will romanticize the possums of Los Angeles because they're running in between the houses. Mm-hmm. No, possums are dirty, disgusting, and mean creatures. <laughs> and growing up on a farm in Kansas, I will tell you, they are not nice. They are they're mean rats mm-hmm. that will eat your chickens. Raccoons <laughs> in the Midwest are very mean. Mm-hmm. They're like rabid Tasmanian devils that want to bite your face off. Wow. Uh, so every time I see a raccoon in los angeles i i have this impression that raccoons in los angeles are just like the big lebowski they're just like yo dude whatever they're so they don't care about humans they just care about your food yeah raccoons in the midwest are walter and the big lebowski they are Mm. they will shoot your face off at the drop of a hat to defend the raccoons you know pot's legal on this side of the country it might not be kansas yet that's fair you know they're just they're just chiller animals in general (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they might be eating a lot of uh, uh, gummies that don't exist everywhere else. So, yeah, exactly. What was high school like for you? Was it basically like uh, you went to this with, to school with the same 20 kids all the years of school or what, was it a bit more varied and people were in and out? So I had 50 people in my graduating class. Mm-hmm. There were 200 complete people in the entire high school, so about 50 per yeah. class. Um, so it was almost the same people for the majority. I would say like about 10% of them changed. You know, kids move away, moved in, whatever. But the same like 90% were the same people. So yes, these were uh, people that I'd known since mostly kindergarten. Um, Fun fact, I don't talk to a single one of them today. (laughs) Not a single one of them. Uh, they're, They're all random Facebook friends. There's a couple of them that will like pop in on Facebook here and there. Um, and I, and I will say to myself, well, I didn't even like you in high school. Why would I, why would I let you lurk on me now? Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it was very limiting because you would know, like people divided into their groups early Mm -hmm. and they kind of didn't change. Uh, and then sometimes there would be, you know, like I, I had a guy, um, that I was friends with when I was in elementary school and, you know, he, you know, decided to play football in junior high. We were really good friends. And then suddenly he became like, you know, like what happens in high school, the clicks happen. He became too popular for me. And I will say at the time that really, you know, it really hurt me. I was like, what is, you know, mm-hmm. thankfully, I, I know that guy. I think what he does for a living is just mow lawns. Um, and he posts on Facebook. Uh, Thanks, Joe Biden, for ha- happy ha- high gas prices. So I think I won at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> What's the uh, socio-political climate in the area of Kansas you're from? Is it is it dyed red? Is it is it mixed? Is it blue? Like, like what's the kind of general sentiment? Oh, it is. Oh, this do you ha- we only have an hour for this podcast? Um, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this could fill the rest of the hour. Um, it is red. It is, mm-hmm. it is red beyond belief. It is Bible Belt red. To the point where when I was in high school in certain, I took a lot of our classes, surprise, surprise. And the principal would get, would give notes or have problems with certain subject matters. Mm. I one time did a painting about the Beatles in high school. And our principal basically was like, I don't know. They seem a little racy for high school. And I'm like, <laughs> the Beatles from the 60s? With this their was, long haircuts? Know, Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, she was probably around for the Beatles. Like she was probably <laughs> the young girl peeing her pants when the Beatles came up on stage. And now yeah. she has a problem in the 1990s about the Beatles. <laughs> but it, it, it is um, there was a story recently. And this was after when I was living there. Um, there was a recent um, within the last 10 years. Uh, I don't remember the name, but there was a political candidate 
that was running for office, I believe is for governor in Kansas. And he was, you know, I would say a very conservative Democrat. And he was running against a very hardline conservative Republican. The hardline conservative Republican was the incumbent. And it did such a terrible job, basically bankrupted the state that everybody in Kansas, true blue, red, fully Republican, said, he's got to go. We got to we'll, we, we will take anybody but him. He won because uh, his campaign uncovered that the Democrat, this very conservative, very white bread Democrat, mm-hmm. had one time in college, one time visited a strip club. Oh, wow, really? Paul Davis. How can we explain him to our daughters? Davis was caught with a stripper during a drug bust. Do we tell her that Paul Davis worked for the strip club owner? What about- He lost the election in a landslide because of that one fact, even though the previous candidate had bankrupted the state. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a that's a bit a bit of a punishment for a youthful indiscretion that I, some might argue might not even be an indiscretion and is just sort of like part of growing up, you know. I would say I would I would be like throw a stone and find me a person that hasn't been to a strip club, male or female. <laughs> like I, especially in college. Yeah. Come on. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like <laughs> what else are you going to do on a Thursday? Yep. Night? Yeah. You know, uh, you, you see that you see the sign for the, you know, the scrambled eggs buffet. You're just like, mm-hmm. well, you only live once. Let's go inside. <laughs> <laughs> so were, were you more around where you are now politically while you live there? Or was that something that sort of grew out of, you know, getting out of the town and learning about the world? I, I luckily have always been pretty uh, liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my my mother, uh, uh, bless her heart, is very is always been very democratic and she has been like the bastion of freedom in this pool of red. Uh-huh. Um, so I was always like on the democratic side, always on the limerence liberal side and stuff like that. And, um, you know, she's a voracious reader and so am I, and I got that from her. So, um, I, I have become more liberal as I've left, but like, I, I was always liberal, like in, I was talking about universal healthcare in high school in Kansas mm-hmm. to, uh, redneck farmer kids who thought I was crazy. Wow. Wow. Like even then I was like, I'll pay a little bit more taxes. <laughs> I can walk into a hospital and I don't have to pay money. That sounds great. <laughs> and everyone was like, what the hell, man? Like, yeah, I'm... basically they were just like, how does that work? We should have to pay <laughs> and drive 40 miles for the privilege. <laughs> right. <laughs> Obviously we talked a little bit about the fact that in Stark there's wasn't necessarily a ton of stuff to do, but if I happen to get swept up by a twister and I land in Stark, Kansas, uh, what sort of things could I do for fun? Oh, boy. Uh, well, you could walk the railroad up and down. Uh, you can do that. You can look at a lot of the abandoned farms. There's a couple of very nice creeks nearby. <laughs> but other than that, you're I mean, you're going to have to invent your own fun. I mean, half the reason why I dropped into a creative field and became a writer and like, you know, um, is because I spent days and days and days and days and days imagining things. Mm -hmm. So, of course, that became fun to me because there is nothing to do. It it is like wandering. And this is pre-internet, too. Did you guys even have like TV service being that far? No, no, no. Wow. My parents still don't have the internet like that's how analog they are they do not have the internet um we did not have cable like it's so funny uh people will tell me things about nickelodeon shows and i'll be like what's nick i've never heard of that show uh i I did not have cable no um you know so yeah you're gonna i mean you're gonna be pretty bored i'm just gonna throw that out there um you're probably gonna be calling somebody to come pick you up pretty soon (laughs) i i love that though that you know Boredom always sort of breeds creativity, you know, so I'd, I'd imagine extreme boredom. I mean, inspire someone to move out to L.A. <laughs> Basically. Were there any like, uh, you know, county fairs, state fairs, something that everyone in the community did together a couple times a year or something like that? Well, there were there were fairs. I was part of 4-H and we mm-hmm. would uh, I would always draw pictures. Mm-hmm. I would always do that. And then I would always cook uh, banana bread 
because you could do bakery. But that, like, let's be honest, my mom made the ba- the banana bread, and then yeah. I passed it off as my own. And you know, I would I would ride her coattails all the way to that purple ribbon. <laughs> um, but there was the main function of Stark is they had this function called Stark Days, which is always on Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and and it's basically like the three blocks they have a parade down the one block and then at the old high school that is has not been in operation since 1960 something they will do kids games and that is like the to do of Stark it's like the only event that takes place in Stark Kansas um you know in fact i i've said this i've i've mentioned this actually recently in a couple of years to like my wife and as some of my family members that i would love i don't have the idea yet mm-hmm. but i would love to figure out an event or an art show that i could crowdfund that mm-hmm. could take advantage of local artists and have it during stark days in my hometown oh that that'd be fun and like that's such a nice thing too i uh, you know a lot of people leave their hometown for a reason and not everyone has like this desire to give back that's that's interesting that you sort of have that desire like i want to bring something <laughs> to a start yeah. Well, the, the, the biggest the biggest problem about it is just the coordination because because Stark is in the middle of nowhere and it is in more of an elderly population. Coordinating that would be mm-hmm. almost nigh impossible. I, I would almost yeah. have to go there and just be there for months, <laughs> um, which is not something as you can tell I, I'm desperate to do. Yeah. Uh, but like it is an idea. I, I have a feeling I'll figure it out one day. But I'm also not in any rush to to do it. Yeah, it might end up being Stark months instead of Stark days, I guess. (laughs) Now, Jason, a lot of small town kids don't even consider jobs like video host or comic book writer as viable options. What made you want a career in media? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I want to give you the smart alecky answer of ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) Pure dumbassitude. Uh, you kind of. I always wanted to be involved. A fun fact, I actually really, I have this weird story of like where how my career sort of uh, unfolded is that I, I originally wanted to be a comic book artist and I was going to apply to the Joe Kubert School of Graphic Design. And in high school, I looked at, it was a bad idea. I looked at a an issue of Adam Kubert's Wolverine and I compared it to my own and I was like, oh, boy, I don't have a chance. So then I wanted to do special effects um, and I was going to do special effects. And then after that, I was like, ah, I don't know enough about computers, can't do that. And I remember seeing a couple movies and seeing written by and I was like, oh, I could write. I could write stuff. So I didn't have any idea how to do it, how to come out here and do it, how to make it happen. Um, I, I mean, as you know, there is no clear career path i mean you know um you're very familiar with that as well oh absolutely you know i i think it was just one of those things of like i gotta go out there and try it and see because i'm gonna regret it if i don't one of my big regrets from my like 20s and stuff is like coming out here and going back because i was you can feel kind of lost uh trying to have a creative career especially in a big town like los angeles and Mm -hmm. it's really easy to like sort of like maybe i'll just go home again did you ever have a moment like that where you were like thinking about calling it quits and going back to stark no no (laughs) i I, actually that's never happened i think because um this is the benefit of where i'm from where i'm from Mm -hmm. title your podcast Pulling that back in. Um, I'll give you five bucks after the show. Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, listeners, you don't know he's going to pay me five bucks every time I say where I'm from. In, There's 10. You know, you know. Um, so where I'm from. 15. Go ahead. There is no safety net for mm-hmm. anything that I want to do. Like, there's no viable industry unless you just want to be a farmer. And I didn't want to be a farmer. My father was a farmer. My grandfather was a farmer. And I saw that and said, no, no, no. Um, so there is no fallback for me at all. Like I, I don't have a fallback. I've never had a fallback. So I either have to make this work or I don't. So no, I've never had the time where I'm I'm going back to start Kansas because there's (laughs) nothing to go back to. Well, let's talk a little bit about you leaving to, uh, because you, uh, left there to go to the military, right? Yes. I, um, I joined the army national guard first. Mm -hmm. 
And then I, I went to community college. And uh, while I was there, I got activated the full-time army. And then I came back uh, for college. I went to University of Tulsa. Yeah. And then I moved out here. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so I had a little bit of um, I didn't come out. I didn't come out to LA until like my late twenties. Yeah. So uh, what what uh, sort of motivated you to join the military? Was it like sense of duty to country? Was everyone else doing it? Like, it- well, I've always had like an adventurous streak in me. Mm-hmm. Nobody ex nobody except for one of my uncles has been in the military in my family. There's nobody, and uh, my uncle did it because he was drafted for Vietnam. Um, yeah. So the recruiter gave a hell of a pitch, said you could travel the world, do all this stuff. And I was like, that mm-hmm. sounds great. Um, and I always looked at it as I was like, I'm going to do six years. I'm going to have an adventure and then I'm going to come out of it. And it's going to be great. And, you know, um, I got deployed to Iraq during that six years. So a very big con. But overall, yeah. overall, I was very positive. I mean, I've seen every continent except for Australia and Antarctica. Um, and I know people that are my age that have never been out of the country. So like I, I got to live in Europe for a couple of months. I mean, I got to do a lot of stuff that I would have never, ever been able to experience. So, I mean, it was an adventure, um, Mm -hmm. and it has its pluses and its minuses and, you know, looking back on it too, like, you know, um, you know, I am also one of those veterans that I'm very critical of the United States military at the same time, but I'm also very supportive, which is why I did. I did the job and charity drive for service members for five years, yeah. you know, because I'm one of those people that believes that you can like something, but still be critical of it. What, was any part of it sort of like uh, this sort of altruism, heroism that you saw in comic book characters thinking like, maybe I could be a hero. Maybe I could. do I, that. I, I bet you unconsciously that had something to do with it. It wasn't conscious. I will say that it wasn't. Con- it was just. It seemed like an awesome opportunity mm-hmm. and, and, and flat out, you know, I will say you get, you do get paid. So it is a job, you know, yeah. um, which was nice. I will say I bought a brand new car after I got out of the army. So like, you know, the paycheck was nice, but I, that probably was a bit part of it. I mean, I, I, I do look at myself to be a pretty patriotic person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I do think inherit my belief that like, you know, if if we all did just a little bit more than just like our base needs, like the world would be a million times better. But most people just worry about their base needs. And I don't yeah. think it has to be that much. I think it has just to be a, just a little like one percent more, which is actually like it, it, which could even be as much as like give 20 bucks to a food bank every year. Um, I think it would make it. It has ripple effects. So mm-hmm. I'm certain that was unconsciously in my decision. Yeah, you're probably right on that. Uh, what was I going to say? Darn it. I, it was a good thought, too. It was going to it was really going to tie everything up even better than you did. Uh, oh, OK. <laughs> no, okay. That's what you do on the Where I'm From podcast. I get it. Absolutely. Oh, there you go. 20 bucks now. I'm making out like a bandit on this one. <laughs> we do have one more game for you, and this is a new one. OK, I, I try and introduce a new game every episode. It's a lot of producing, my friend. Absolutely. <laughs> I try and stay busy. This game is called Wheel, Wheel of, of Anecdotes. Anecdotes. Okay, so I'm going to give you a suggestion. Uh, think of it as like an improv suggestion. Sure. And your challenge is to respond with a short, hopefully 20 or 30 second anecdote from your hometown that it reminds you of. Your first suggestion is corn. Oh, okay. Um, so there are lots of cornfields around Stark, Kansas. And mm-hmm. I will tell you, it is a very common thing for everybody. My dad was very guilty of this to pull off on the side of the road, walk into the cornfield, grab five or six corns in the cob, and that was your dinner. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I mean, that just makes sense. From the earth, and then you put put it back into the earth later. Yeah, but, te- but like, we didn't grow that corn. That's full on stealing. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody did it. Okay, tractor. <laughs> I spent many summers riding on the fender of a tractor of my dad or my grandfather out like plowing fields or, or, mm-hmm. or mowing fields or stuff like that. Not, it would always make my mother nervous because that's not where you're supposed to sit, but we did it all the time. Okay, the big city. Big city. Uh, the big city to Stark is Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It, it really, like, that's where you go for like the major hospital stuff. It's Kansas City. And Kansas City's lovely. By the way, amazing barbecue. 
Really? I, I hadn't heard that about Kansas City. Arthur Bryant's is a barbecue place that I always stop in in Kansas City. It's on the original Main Street of Kansas City. It's been there since 1923. It's all brick. It's astounding. Uh, it is the best barbecue you will ever have. If I ever make it to Kansas City, probably won't. I will definitely check it out. Last but not least, Twister. Oh, okay. So I've been through two tornadoes in my life. I've lived through them. They've gone over me. Um, one time I was very little and it was coming near my parents' house and we got in our cellar. We had a little cellar. And at the time I was little enough that I had a sandbox. And I remember I had like a little tractor and a little um, like bulldozer. Mm-hmm. Tornado comes by, come out, toys are gone from the sandbox. Have no idea where they are. A week later, we would, for fun, we would get on our bikes right down the gravel road or whatever to like the, the bridge that's like a mile or a mile and a half down the road with me and my brothers and sisters found the tractor and found the bulldozer a mile and a half away. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) It was like right beside the bridge. I saw it in the ditch. (laughs) (laughs) If you had studied it a bit more, you maybe could have used that as like a carrier pigeon kind of thing to communicate with your neighbors during a storm. I mean, they were only like maybe like two or three pounds. So, but still (laughs) the fact that they like went that far is pretty crazy. Nice, nice. Wheel Wheel of of anecdotes. Anecdotes. I'd like to say you won again, so I'm going to double the amount of money I already owe you for saying the name of my show. And so you've won $50 tonight. That's fantastic. That's great. I'll be sending it to you. Uh, what's a payment service that doesn't exist anymore? Um, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say like Dogecoin or something. Doge, no, Dogecoin yeah. still exists. Dogecoin $50 still exists. in Do- Dogecoin. $50 okay. when Dogecoin was at its height. That's what we'll be getting. Oh, wow. Wow. That's going to be quite a payday. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying I bought it at its height, so it's worth, Oh, you know, okay. Yeah. Pen- so now it's worth like three cents. Okay. Pen- pennies a Doge. Pennies a Doge. All right, Jason. Well, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining us tonight on Where I'm From. Where can people uh, find out, find more of your stuff and what you're up to? The easiest way you can find me is on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. It's the first two letters of all three of my names. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a weekly podcast as well with Ashley Victoria Robinson. It's called Geek History Lesson. Mm-hmm. It's where we take a character or a construct from pop culture and we give you their entire history lesson. Uh, we just did a Black Adam episode. And uh, you can find any, I write comic books and books. There's a bunch of other comic books I wrote behind me and you can find them at jasoninman.com. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so I want to thank you again so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, no problem. I mean, uh, I was just, I had this extra 50 bucks and I was like, why don't we bring Jason on <laughs> so I can get rid of it? Yes, I, I also, I, I'm a, I really, I desperately want one of your listeners to create the Wikipedia entry for us to start Kansas as number one citizen. First nice. annual and last. Well, the I was going to say the the Wikipedia entry because I normally hop on there to do some research for these. Very, very thin. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even have a Wikipedia entry, so you're fine. <laughs> even though I, I there's a couple of things I've done where I'm like, I think that deserves a Wikipedia entry. No, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Yeah. All right. To wrap up here, we have some listener feedback. Paula Dodd Barnes wrote in about the Stephen Tobolowsky episode. Paula says, awesome talent from an Oak Cliff boy. Generations of us Kimball Knights are your fans, Stephen. Big shout out to your dad, the Centurion of Dallas. Now, uh, concerning uh, the Talking Heads and the True Stories movie that Stephen inspired some a song for, Divine Intervention. Looking up that Talking Heads music video for the underwater shots. How cool is that? Concerning the three tones that Stephen talked about, that was gold, OMG. And you are the Radiohead. Amazing. True stories. What a history, Stephen. Now on Texas and where it is now as a state, Paula says, In the 1970s, Texas changed. It has never changed, but so many of us from Oak Cliff have not changed. Dallas will never be the same as it used to be. I was born the day before JFK was shot. Got the Kennedy collection and my whole life has been a conspiracy. Just kidding. I was born in Oak Cliff, just around the corner from the Texas theater where they caught Oswald. Dallas had a dark period of time. Yes, the theater is still there. Thank you for the movies, the laughs, and the shout out for Oak Cliff. We are all there living on our Facebook group, Days of Oak Cliff, keeping the memories going on Facebook. Thanks for all your years of acting at Theater 3 and on the big screen. 
Paula Dodd Barnes. Thank you so much, Paula. Rima Al-Masri also wrote in and said, this is adorable. Stephen is pretty adorable. And then concerning my chat about my hometown, uh, Wheeling, West Virginia, and just the general Ohio Valley area with Ashley Verma last week, Robert Hicks says, I was born in Wheeling, raised in Wellsburg, and now live in Pittsburgh. It's not as big of a move as London. I love hearing about people from the Ohio Valley and where they are now. And then Addicted to Chaos said that I remember her, Ashley, from junior high. I knew I'd have some hometownies listening. How's it going, man? If you want to chime in about one of our episodes or about your hometown, shoot me an email, bill at billmeeks.com, or just leave a comment on this YouTube video, if you're watching it on YouTube, of course. Thank you to folks for uh, joining the live chat room. Normally, we uh, stream this live over at youtube.com. So I forget what the new things are. Search for Bill Meeks. Uh, they just changed up how they do those. I think it's at Bill Meeks LA. And over on twitch.tv at twitch.tv slash Bill Meeks. And if you like the show, feel free to go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, rate it, like it, play the episodes, just hit play, walk away. It'll help our stats. And you can find uh, links for all of the episodes, things we've talked about in the show, all that over at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from. And uh, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm looking to do sort of a call-in episode where we do some rapid fire, where we're from. If you're interested in participating, shoot me an email, bill at billmeeks.com. Well, that does it for this week. Uh, thanks again to our, all our live viewers and join us next time when I talk to somebody else about where they're from. See you soon.